Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Dragons Cast podcast. I'm here tonight with Bill and Anthony. We're going to break down a week and change of Drexel basketball. We're recording on a Saturday night. And guys, you don't know why we're recording on a Saturday night. But the answer to that is because I thought it was Sunday. So I just texted out Bill and said, hey, you're up for recording tonight. And he was like, yeah. So there you go. I had yesterday off, thought it was Sunday. We're recording on a Saturday now. Thank you for, for bearing with me. I was a little confused, Dan, but I was like, eh, let's roll with it. Why not? That's it. Let's roll with it should be the uh, the theme for the show. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll make that the new motto. I like it. So, Anthony, thank you for, for pinch hitting here uh, and joining us today as well. Um, we're a little, little short-staffed. Uh, Nate's off here and, and Leon uh, uh, as well, so we're happy to have you aboard. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, so we're going we're gonna to start back here. Kind of arbitrarily chose to start uh, talking about last Saturday's game at LaSalle. Uh, we're going to cover the men's game. We're going to cover some women's stuff. We're going to go through our good, bad, and ugly segment, which is exciting to excite. I'm enjoying that, actually. I really am enjoying what's coming out of that. Uh, we'll go around the league and talk about things and uh, as we go into the holidays here. So exciting times. Uh, but as far as our men's discussion, we'll uh, we'll cover the games at LaSalle, uh, at Seton Hall, and home against the Little Sisters of the – no, sorry, Delaware State. Delaware State University. Um which uh, looked every bit of 361st in Ken Palm. So uh, I guess we'll take us back to uh, LaSalle. Um, it, was, it, was, it was an overtime win. Um, I, you know, I, um, there's a lot of things in that game I was actually fairly happy about. But I guess, what, what, Anthony, what was your takeaways? You, you were up there? I was up there. Um, first thing to report is the dire straits that Tom Golar Arena is in. Um, has always been. Uh, it's it just, it's a very lacking venue. Um, you know, it, it just, it looks every bit uh, like the 1970s, um, unfortunately. Uh, but uh, the game was a rock fight. It was one of those old school kind of bruiser, like first to 50, first to 55 is going to, is going to, is going to take it. It seemed for a while that neither team wanted to win. That, that's how ugly it was. Um, but I mean, we pulled it out. Uh, you know, Col- Coltrane had a had a pretty good game. Amari got his customary double double. Um, probably going to be a, a theme over the as we review these this last week of games. But um, the, the recurrent struggles of Lamar Odin and Monte Ocruz um, are still disappointing to see. Um, just not dropping shots, tentative to shoot. Generally, that's more on Mate than Lamar, and I, I feel like I, I'll touch on that more when we talk about the Delaware State game. But um, they pulled it out. Uh, they, they pulled it out. I mean, it was it was ugly. The um, went up by almost double digits out of the gate. We kind of battled back. We tied it, took the lead for the first time. I think it was about 25-24 uh, was our first lead. And then we kind of had a steady lead the rest of the way, but just couldn't, couldn't seal it. And then finally in overtime, we – we pulled it away, so or pulled it out. So um, always good to play a city rival, I think, and nice to get a win. Yeah, I kind of had that feeling, um, especially the I think the memorable play in this one. I, I had two that really stick out to me, but um, it's kind of the, the good, bad, and the ugly LaSalle game edition. Um, but you know, Coltrane took the final shot. We had, we had we had the ball with next to no time on the clock. Coltrane Jove, he, he left it short, um, but I really liked that he he took that upon himself and, and he, and he, and he took the opportunity and, and went with it and, and drove too, right? Like 
You know, uh, I like I like that that aspect of his game continues to develop. I like that he wanted it. I think that if you look at people historically, you know, usually the first time that happens, you know, that you're that end of the clock, it's not it's not always a win the first time, right? You know, even the best, you know, it takes some time to kind of develop that skill set. So I think it's great to see um, Coltrane as a leader on this team, a guy who's been asked to lead on this team, stepping up and doing that, even if it wasn't successful. And the other, um, that, that was probably the good, bad, and ugly all in one, one, one shot. Um, and then the other one was just um, Amari backing down, getting that Duncan OT, right? Like, I think that's the kind of thing that everybody's going to look at. And they you know they put it on social media and stuff. But um, Frank Dunphy pulling, you talk about a rock fight reminiscent of the old day of the old days and you have Dunphy on the opposite sideline but I see um I see Amari just kind of walk to the basket and dunk and a I kind of wish he would do it more but b there's a reason that he often can't and that's because there's usually three help defenders hanging around and like Fran it was reminiscent of Bruiser against VCU ages and ages ago just leaving Yannick Formbore out there to dry against Jamie Skeen right like you know I mean uh it, yeah Amari's gonna win that one as long as he takes it upon himself to actually go to the basket, back him down and turn around. He's going to, he's going to win that one every time. You know, that was, that was an error of coaching, not of anything on the floor. And I, 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 I a big friend of fan, but I thought um, it wasn't great by them. And it was great to see Drexel take advantage, put it that way and, and get a matchup that was a successful one and exploit it. So I, I, those were the two things that really stuck out to me on that game. Along those same lines, Dan, of questionable coaching decisions. I didn't know why Dunphy didn't leave that 6'10 uh, freshman out there who was pulling Amari out to the perimeter. It seemed like he barely played in the second half. Um, and he was making a huge difference, and he was keeping Amari out of the lane. So I'm not really sure why they went away from that, but I know it was to our benefit. And I, I love to see that, that Amari dunk was, I mean, not only because the dunk was exciting, but, I mean, he's been going to his right a couple times. We've seen in, uh, you know, that one um, a couple times in the, the other games. Not a, not a ton, but he's showing at least he can do it. And teams have been giving that to him. So if he can, you know, do that a little bit more often, it would be hugely beneficial for his offensive game. But he, like you said, he needs, to, he needs to keep getting closer to the basket. He settles way too much for long hook shots when he has no business settling for those. Like he can – fight to get close to the hoop early on or, you know, back his man down a little bit more. Um, or Yeah. So I, I'd like to see him do a little bit more of that, but again, hard to complain about Amari. He's still, even in a bad game, he's getting like a double double. So I do agree with you though, Bill. I do think he could stand to receive the ball closer to the basket, particularly. Um, I don't know if that's just a coaching thing or just where he's setting up where he feels more comfortable because I, you know, they do have him out, closer to the three-point line set and picks a lot of the time too, but um, I'd love to see him receive the ball without needing to, you know, post up halfway from the three-point line to the basket. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, I think it's thematic throughout this, throughout you know, the last few weeks of, us, of our discussions. And um, I think we'll get on to what's player versus what's coaching. We talk about this uh, Mate, Lamar, whatever discussion that we'll be having, I, I think, in, in a game or two here. So I'll lead us that way. But my first quick personal note, which is uh, uh, hearing you talk about Tom Gola, um, I was thrilled. I, I made the first game that I made of the deck this year, kind of, sort of. It's a big kind of, sort of, was the uh, the Princeton game, um, which I've been looking for. I kind of had that so encircled in the calendar because it's kind of a, a Dan Crane game right there. I went to a lot of games at Princeton as a kid. And um, 
I, uh, two things happened there. One, I brought my daughter and the new light and sound system was way, way too much for her. Like it was, it was just, it was so intense. And so, so, so she couldn't, we, we couldn't hang, um, which um, it, it made me devastated not to be able to hang out there and watch the game, but it was actually, you know, it was, it was happiness to see the development of the deck, right? This is what I was talking about and everything else. And so, you know, if it means I got to sit that one out and we'll, we'll come up with another way to get to get out to the deck this year and, and I'll probably be showing it myself for a little bit. We'll try her again in the spring. Um, but it was cool. And then uh, because I was leaving early, I, heard, I, was, I ended up behind a couple of Princeton fans uh, that were walking to the bathroom or something like that, like midway through the first half. And they were talking about, I love small venues like this. Like this is what a great venue for basketball this is. And, and it was, it was just really, I mean, it's the DAC. I'm used to hearing what Anthony just thought, said about Tom Gola, right? You know, this is, so it was cool. It was cool. It was, uh, it's, this is another big um, uh, round of applause for, for those at the, at the DAC who've gotten this done. It's, it's really great to see. Uh, so, so like I said, we'll find a way. I may come in after introductions with my daughter next time, but we'll, uh, we'll make that work. Yeah. Other, other than frightening small children, it's amazing. Dan. Yes. That's, that's, that's basically the takeaway that I have right now. Uh, so that'll slide us into um, also a game that no small children should have, should have watched Drexel at Seton hall. Um, Bill, you were there in person. I saw you on TV. Mm, um, yeah. T- yeah. Uh, worth the trip. Um, I mean, it's 20 minutes from my house. So in that sense, uh, yeah, I guess, uh, still questionable though, right? Yeah. I mean, it was ugly, ugly early on. I mean, I, I don't think I've ever seen a game where only two players score from one team deep into the second half. I mean, I don't even know what was going on there where only train and Amari could hit shots. Literally no one else could even find the hoop. So it was, it was bad and it looked like it was going to get real bad. I mean, I'm happy they at least showed signs of life towards the end of that game. Um, but yeah, it didn't, uh, it, it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't pretty early on. This is not a, a case of Trey, a train and, uh, Amari being Kishana and Kylie, right? Like this was, this was, they, they were okay. Um, but the, this is not, they were not just so good that nobody else could take a shot. That was not the problem we had in this game. No. Uh, Anthony, what were your thoughts? Yeah, it was definitely ugly. Um, I missed probably the first half of the first half, but, but caught the rest. Um, you know, my impressions from watching the first half was, were, this game could be a lot closer. We're, and I even think they said it on the uh, on the broadcast. Um, you know, they asked, "What does Drexel need to do to get back in this game?" And and you know, the the other commentator was like, I, it, "It may sound weird, but they just got to keep running through their sets because they're getting shots, they're getting looks, they're not just not going in." And 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 I felt the exact same way. Uh, for whatever reason, just ice cold, um, especially in the first half. I mean, good looks, and they weren't. Um, they just weren't falling. I mean, Seton Hall did lock up on us defensively a little bit uh, in the second half, or at least the beginning of the second half. But, um, yeah, when, when only two players score uh, for 20 minutes of basketball, it's usually not a great sign, uh, and it definitely was not today. Um, I mean, the one thing that uh, I kind of took as a little bit of a silver lining, and I guess 
we'll get into it as we talk about Delaware State as well, because I felt it, it, it continued to be uh, today uh, for that game. But our third leading scorer uh, in that Seton Hall game was a player who up until that point had played in one game um, the entire season uh, up until that point, and it was for four minutes against a non-Division one school, and it was not because of injury, and that was Yame Butler. Um, I was stunned. I- I'm sure you guys were too. Um, where has this guy been, and why has he not been playing when Odin and Okros start and combine to go 0 for 10 and 0 for 8 from 3? I also thought it was strange that Zach Spiker has benched basically Michael Jordan all season. Um, <laughs> right? No, I mean, he, he looked incredible coming off the bench. He did. Uh, and I think, so this is where I'll, I'll offer to merge the discussion of these next two games, because uh, I think there's not a lot you can often take from a 30 point loss, which is what I consider Seton Hall to have been. Um, and I don't think there's a whole lot you could take from a 30 point win, which is kind of what I take this Delaware state to have been. Um, but I do think personnel wise, we've got a lot to talk about and I'm, I'm glad Bill's here. Um, talk about Yame a little bit, and, and even Terrence Butler, who, who I thought flashed some things. Um, you know, I, I thought it was interesting, um, you know, Seton Hall coach after the game saying, you know, basically he was pissed off with his team. And, you know, you have a 30-point lead and, you know, you make it almost a single-digit game. You probably have to have something to talk about uh, from a focus point of view. But I actually didn't think it was terrible. For, I mean, yeah, they were they were still playing. They were, they were showboating a little bit in the second half. Uh, you know, they've missed an alley-oop. There was some, but, um, that Seton Hall did. But generally, I mean, I thought Drexel earned that, that kind of comeback a little bit. They, they played pretty well for a stretch there, too, uh, and shot the lights out for a little bit, which was, you know, uh, that's that's not what regression to the mean is, by the way, guys. <laughs> Just means that if you start shooting 20%, you should shoot 40% for the rest of the game. If you're a 40% shooting team, it doesn't mean you should shoot 90% for the rest of the game, you know. Um, so you know, it's uh, it was interesting, but for me the personnel stuff. I want to hear from Bill about those guys um, that we got to see now in a couple of games back to back, and and also um, lineup change, right? Because uh, we did see a change in the starting lineup today against Delaware State. Uh, Mateo Cruz came came off the bench. Um, it's something we've talked about, um, but I I think when we talk about coaching versus player and not being able to tell, Hey, are the coaches telling this guy, this like Amari, you know, where to catch the basketball. I'm relatively certain, you know, the play sets are run for him at the top, you know, at the high post. You know, I think that's a coaching thing, but when you see Coltrane driving and you see Lamar driving, you see some of the other guys driving and you see Mate is kind of the only guy who isn't. That feels to me like that's, he's being coached to drive sometimes, but as a player, he's not doing it. You know, I, I don't think he just happens to be the only guy never going to the basket when he's 6'6 and a body that can take it, you know, and, and a pretty decent handle. I'd be surprised if he was coached to just stand there. And and now with the move to the bench, I do wonder, I still wonder if there's some lingering injuries or something like that going on. But um, I, I do wonder if it's more on the player and that this change in personnel is a sign that he's not, you know, maybe following instruction or growing or developing in the way that the staff is thinking. Um, I'm kind of wondering if you guys are seeing that as well. I mean, the fact that he's been in the starting lineup for this long makes me think the coaching staff is expecting him to be better. I mean, he he's barely been doing anything um, in a lot of these games, and he just continued to be in the starting lineup. Um, I, I agree with you, Dan. He just does stand there a lot of times. I mean, he's 
uses like a decoy that provides space for the other players. I, I don't know. Uh, but I mean, to me, it made a ton of sense to put him on the bench and take him off the bench. Cause I mean, like I, I've said this before, I think on the podcast, I've said it on the Slack channel, he played better off the bench the year we went to the tournament. So why are you delaying this move? Put him on the bench. Maybe it's something mental. Maybe he just, you know, uh, is, is better coming off the bench. Some players are, I, I don't know why. I don't know what causes that, but, um, I mean, you can see in Delaware State today, he had a good game. He actually played well. Came off the bench, three for five from three. I mean, played pretty well. Maybe the, maybe the expectations are lower. I, I, don't, I don't know. But um, it was about time he went to the bench and, and came off it, and he, he played well. So, I mean, I'm happy with what he did today, but I think it should have been done a little bit earlier. Um, and you would like to see him do a little bit more, Dan. Like he, I, Even in watching him – in high school, I guess, uh, he drove more. He was a player who, he wasn't just a spot-up shooter. He actually brought the ball up for his team on occasion. So he's not a guy who, you know, is completely just a catch-and-release guy. I mean, that's what he's been here, but he can do a little bit more. He hasn't shown that at all, though. So all right, maybe the, it's the speed of the game, I'm not sure. But, but yeah, but I, I like seeing him come off the bench, and he, he played much better, as I said. Um and just to, just to piggyback on that, six assists today, too. He has so, six assists? I didn't even six notice assists. that. So in addition to the three for five from three, which is certainly a good sign, six assists means he's involved in producing points. Even if it's not shooting, it's something. He's not just getting cardio minutes where yeah. he just misses two shots and it's just zeros across the board otherwise. And, and you know, not our best defender either, but – the one thing that I'll, I'll always say that I, I know I have, and I'm sure others have been asking for Mate to do for four years now, is to just be aggressive. You're a good shooter. They may not fall, but just do it. Because even the threat of you shooting will account for something. And the great perfect example of that is the guy who replaced him in the starting lineup today, Luke House. I mean, it was... It, this is probably the best Luke House is ever going to play, if we're being honest. He had a career-high 25, 10 of 15 shooting, and 5 of 10 for 3. That's probably not going to happen again. But um, he came in, and he was aggressive, and he was assertive, and he just put him up from, from Jump Street, made the first two, and it just set the tone for him the rest of the game. And I feel like that's all I've been asking Mate to do from the time this all started. Just, just put him up. You're a good shooter. Uh, you know, I, I do agree with you, Dan, about about uh, he could definitely stand to drive a little bit more as well, but just something. <laughs> and and if you put up shots, that'll make it easier for you to drive too because they're going to be playing you at the three-point line. If you don't shoot, why would anybody even pay you mind? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, uh, Luke House outscoring the entire other team five minutes into a basketball game is never a sentence I ever thought I'd utter in my life. Um, so that was, um, in fact, I, he almost outscored them at halftime. I think he had 15 and they had like 16. So it was, it was pretty close. Uh, it, it was a kind of a remarkable <laughs> performance from Luke house, but I mean, good for him. It, he's been a revelation. I was going to say, we talk a lot about Luke, um, in that way, right? In that he shouldn't be our best offensive player. He shouldn't, 
give credit to the guy who who's who's earned his spot, who's earned a scholarship, and now has earned a starting role in a D one team, right? I mean, um, I, I don't know that the competition today was D one, but you know, I, I he's he's worked his butt off. It's clear, and uh, he has results to show for. It. He's now got he scored twenty five in a Division one game. Good, you know, hat tip for sure. I mean, when we signed him, I, I didn't think there's any way he'd be contributing at this level. No, not signed. When he was on the roster, I should say that I didn't think he'd be contributing like this. He just didn't seem like he was quick enough or athletic enough. And I, I think since he got here, he somehow improved both of those things. Uh, I guess just through sheer hard work and determination. I mean, he, he doesn't look like he... Um, or he looks like he belongs out there. I mean, he really does. Like he's he's not a defensive liability. I mean, he's, he's shooting. He he's dunking on people out here. I mean, he's going nuts this game. But um, but him playing in the starting lineup was a huge boost. I mean, having one starter who basically wasn't doing anything for a lot of these games was really hindering us. And now you have a guy who came out and is just firing away. I mean, that was the difference in this game for sure. I mean, not that it. Not that we needed much of a difference, but still, it was a, a big boost just to have a guy come out of the out of the gate uh, and score a bunch of points. I, I don't think we had done that in the previous like two or three games at least. Somebody texted me and was like, "Luke House dunked, Luke House dunked," and he didn't show the replay on the jungle, jumbotron. He didn't show the replay. I gotta see that a second time. So this is this is also your note for your for your Dak staff. You got to give us some more Luke House if you're gonna if you got the replays going. If we have the jumbotron, I, if, if Luke House dunks. Give it to give it to us. Give the give the people what they want. And to follow up with uh, the Ame Butler from Seton Hall, uh, another decent performance out of him. Fifteen minutes, nine points, three assists. Um, he looks know, good. Where I don't know what, what they've been holding him back for, uh, but uh, he definitely seems to be able to be a contributor. I mean, he was running the point towards the end in the second half. I mean, I, I know Justin Moore missed the Seton Hall game. He illness. Apparently non-COVID because he's he was there today. He actually played a minute at the end of the first half. Um, so he did get into the game today uh, for, for a minute. But um, but at one point when, when they uh, kind of spelled Bergens at one point, they had Butler running the point. So maybe he even has that ability on top. So that, that's, that's another benefit. So that gives me like 14 questions for Bill. But we'll start with Yame Butler. You want to see more of them against like CA competition? Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's looked he's looked good. I thought he would actually play. Uh, I was surprised when the year started. I was I didn't know why he was buried so deep on the bench. Um, didn't really make sense to me, especially with other guys struggling. Uh, at that point, I thought maybe my evaluation was off, and then I just uh, you know he was a guy who just couldn't get off the bench. So I was a little thrown off by that i mean he's he handles the ball pretty well he's a good passer i don't know if you notice this. His, his passes seem to have more velocity on it than a lot of the other guys on the team which gets the ball uh, moving gets it gets shots more open for players i don't know why some of our other guys throw slower passes but he, this, he just seems to whip it around um and yeah, his three-point shot looked looked better than I was expecting. Although he was a thirty-five percent uh, three-point shooter in at, at his JUCO, so you know he, he's a guy who can shoot a little bit too. So I and and he can also like get his own shot and take it to the hoop a little bit. So that's those are the reasons why I was a little surprised he wasn't in. Like you've got 
Oak Grove struggling so much. You know, it didn't seem like they wanted to put House out there for, you know, completely to replace Oak Grove's minutes. So, okay. Um, even when Odin's struggling, like you've got another guy out there who can play and he's just not in the game at all. And it was, I, I just thought maybe he can't play or he's in the coach's doghouse for some reason. Uh, but it was good to see him out there and hopefully he can keep contributing because it makes our team a lot better when we have this kind of depth. Uh, we don't have a ton of superstars on this team. I think we've got one. So having a lot of guys that can contribute will make our team a lot better. And he was a Fordham guy at first, right, Bill? Yeah, he went to Fordham. Um, did he ever play year. for them? I think he did a little bit. I don't know what his stats were, but he, I think he played a little tiny bit there. Yeah, tiny. He was an A-10 guy. I mean, you'd think he'd be able to hack it at this level. I mean, probably Fordham A-10. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, I agree with you. I agree with you, and and it does. I mean, it, it, it certainly looks good, and and I like to Bill's point. I like that having another guy in the court who can do something off the bounce, and I like the idea that you know once um, once we get everybody back, you know, of running uh, Burgeons or, or him at the two a little bit, you know, and having two guys on the floor more than one of those guys who can who can really move with the ball. And then, and then you have you know Coltrane who can do that a little bit, but shoot a little bit, and then you can have your four uh, as a Luke House or as a Lamar Odin. That's going to be more of a, a, a premier, primarily shooter guy. I think that's an interesting lineup. It's much more dynamic than you know point guard shooter 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 that we were doing early in the year. Um, I think it, it brings the athleticism that our coaching staff, our coaching staff spent the offseason, you know, the interviews with us saying we need to be more athletic. We understand that we recruited to this. And then we, you know, we haven't played these guys. Um, you know, I think this is, if you want to have a chance to elevate from where you were, you're going to need to do some of this because you're not kind of, I'd say, athletic enough by their own admission, you know, with the with the crew that we returned this year. So I, I like I like these guys getting in the game. Um, and, and I'll, if I'll, I'll go one more knock and say, you know, the early, I remember a lot of discussions early on in the Zach Spiker era about being slow to adjust, right? Um, and various points, whether it was lineup changes or, you know, want to see zone or something, you know, when the defense was, was a little lacking early in those first few years. Um, last year, I thought the amount of time it took us, it really took, if you think about it, JB getting injured last year for us to see Amari, you know, which I, I think is a little inexcusable, um, you know, just, just being honest. Um, and here, you know, again, you see more go down. You see us go down 30 to Seton Hall, and these guys get the opportunity. And they get the opportunity. You know, I'd like these these coaches not to be forced into these choices, forced to make these moves. I'd like to see these make, make these moves preemptively. Um, uh, your point, um, Bill, about Mate Okros probably starting a little longer than you would like to see. You know, uh, you don't want to point it out back-to-back years that you're slow to make the change that seems reasonable. That being said... You know, once Amari was in the picture, he became the guy last year. You know, and maybe if these guys get the opportunity now and the coaching staff is willing to, okay, well, you, you proved it to us on the floor. We're going to let you run. You know, I, I like the fact that they don't back away from it once it's in front of them. So I'm intrigued to see kind of what changes are. You know, I think the cool dynamic about this is that we could see a little bit of a different team as we enter league play. And there's not going to be a ton of film on us, um, which could be interesting with some of these guys. So um, I think about UNCW last year. That's probably the 
the tip top ceiling, but right, I mean, they were terrible at the conference. They came in and all of a sudden woke up. Uh, I don't know that I expect that out of this team, but I'd love to get some opportunities to guys that don't have a lot of film on them, especially early in the conference season and see what happens with them. One guy that it kind of fits that mold that has been getting minutes here and there and not only mop up minutes is Kobe McGee, um, who I am definitely intrigued by and want to see more of. He's not afraid to shoot. He's got some bounce to him. Um, you know, I've liked what I've seen in the few minutes that he's played so far. Um, you know, six points, five points, six points over the, in each of the last three games. So that's he's contributing uh, in, in minimal minutes. Um, he's only getting, you know, about 10 minutes a game, but he's he's chipping in. So uh, he's another guy that I've I've been excited when he's come in and gotten some some run. And they don't feel like they're guys who um, who don't know what's going on around them on the court, aren't, aren't ready for this game speed yet, or, you know, any kind of the freshman, right? They don't really look like freshmen beginning of the season. They're lost out there when they're out there. Again, two 30-point games, so you don't want to read too much into it. But they look like they're capable. Bill, is that fair? No, definitely, yeah. I, I, I mean, they're, they're contributing when people come in. I mean, sometimes you see, like Cole Hargrove's having a little bit of a struggle in there still. But that's expected with a you know us bringing a big man. Typically, um, you know they're going to be a little a little rough early on. Um, but yeah, but like Kobe's in there. He's he's contributing for sure. Every time he's been in, I feel like he's been. If he's not hitting shots, which he was struggling a little bit from three, I think until this last game. But um, but you know he's hustling. He he got out. He got a dunk. You know he's getting uh, an offensive board here and there. You know he's he's contributing. And I think with a team like this, right where we. We have Amari, who's consistently giving us points. Coltrane's pretty consistent. And then the rest of the team is kind of a little up and down, right? So with this type of contribution from these other players, what you can do is ride the hot hand a little bit. Lamar's having a bad game, set him down. Bring in Yame. Okro's having a bad game, set him down. You know, bring in Kobe. Just mix it up. Don't play Okro's 25 minutes just because he's a senior here. You know, don't play Odin. 30 minutes just because he's, you know, he's been here for a while and he, and he knows the system. Like, play the guy who's playing well that game. You have that luxury here. Um, it's not like, you know, Cam Winner's here and, and he's having a little bit of a rough game. You don't take Cam Winner out and bench him. But, you know, with this type of group, you can do that. And I think the coaches talked to that a little bit. Like, they could play different lineups and various, um, you know, different positions playing together and, and all that. And I think that's where they should look to get with this team because I just don't think there's, you know, a guy who's going to deliver every night outside of Amari and Coltrane. One other thing just on the coaching staff, you know, we were talking about how, you know, sometimes hesitant to make some, um, you know, lineup changes and things like that. One thing that I think I need to give the coaching staff credit for, and I think I probably could safely say this about Spiker's entire tenure with Drexel, and I'm interested to see if you guys agree, is that this team just doesn't quit. They're never going to – I mean, we were down 30 points to Seton Hall, and like you said, Dan, almost got it to single digits. So there – you know, there may be some things that we can point to that could change this and that, but the guys don't give up on them. Uh, you know, I, I, I feel pretty confident saying that. I'm interested to know if you guys agree. 
I agree. And, and didn't you have thoughts of the Delaware game? Didn't you were kind of wasn't wasn't every Drexel fan just kind of leaning in the screen or a little built at the arena, leaning in a little bit when that game was starting to get tight? It was like six seven minutes ago. There was a moment there. Uh, they got to eleven, and I said, ah. And then Seton Hall went on a, a bit of a run. We had a turnover. They they, they scored two in a row, and I said, okay, well that's going to do it. But for a second there, there was a glimmer. That's Spiker making you believe. That's 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 what that is. There was there was a guy who was next to me at the arena. And they left when they were up like 28 or something. Um, and then we started going on, this, on the run. And I was like, oh, my God, it's going to be crazy if this guy gets home and sees the score. <laughs> even if we cut it to like single digits, even if it wasn't, you know, a win. Um, but that it was, uh, you know, cut it to that close. But you're right. Like, I think Coltrane had a turnover and they came down and hit a three. And then that was, that was pretty much it. But they did give me hope. I did have that, you know, the comeback in my head that it's, it's a possibility. And I'm sure. You know, Spiker sells the players on that every every time we're down a big uh, a big amount. Um, but yeah, it was I was at least happy that they you know made it a game. Uh, I didn't you know buy those seats for absolutely no reason. <laughs> when, One other when the Yankees were um, were down three 0 to Houston this year, they my understanding is they had them watch the Red Sox three zero playoff comeback video or something like that against them. <laughs> Against them, yeah, and I get that players these days are mostly laundry, but but that still confuses me. I'd imagine the spiker telling that story about the Delaware game is is probably the right way to do that. Um, yeah. So, I, one one more question before we go good, bad, the ugly, um, and I'm gonna uh, make a statement and ask you guys to agree or disagree because I think that was good, Anthony. Uh, but Lamar Odin, he's taking the right shots. I I, I like what he's doing on the floor. I think. Yeah, I don't. I don't feel like he's taking terrible shots. He's just ice cold right now. Like I was watching him even in, even in the warmups at Seton Hall, and he just couldn't. Nothing was falling. Not not a single three was falling. Um, I don't know what's going on there, but you know, it could just be you know confidence at this point. Like sometimes you're just getting a, a cold spell and it's hard to get out of it. Um, but yeah, he, he he drives a little bit too. I think he he made some nice drives even tonight. Um, the second he opened the second half of the Delaware State game, Remy really bad. And he had like a couple of turnovers and plays where he was just like getting it late into the shot clock, which was bad. And he was benched accordingly. But, but usually, yeah, like I like that he's he goes to the hoop still. He takes open jump shots from three. He, he's just got to find his confidence and start knocking them down. I did like his aggressiveness today. Um, he he only had two rebounds today, so take it for what it's worth. But the two rebounds he got were both offensive and I, I thought he was very assertive in getting them. I don't know if that means anything, you know, obviously keeping the opponent in mind, but I like to see that because, you know, I feel like rebounding is something that outside of Amari, I'm not sure how great we are at it, but, but no, I agree with your statement, Dan. I, I think that he's, um, he's taking the right shots that he's just, He's just a little cold at the moment. I mean, he was hot a couple weeks ago. Um, was it the Temple game or, or one of the ones prior? He was he was doing well. Or maybe it was Princeton or, or Lafayette. I, I don't remember. But um, I'm pretty sure he, he was our leading scorer in one of those games. Um, yeah, he's just cold right now. But, I mean, the shots are good. It's not like he's taking awful shots, long-range twos that are low percent. I mean, it's just 
It's just not falling for him right now. Hopefully he he can uh, he can snap out of it. Yeah, Princeton and Lafayette were two games he was really effective uh, before Roland came on the podcast and jinxed him. So, uh, um, but yeah, I, I think we, we the only reason why I made the statement and was kind of happy to hear what you guys said was just uh, I think we lump him and Mate in a lot together and kind of the shooters, the spot-up shooters. And I, I feel like he's him and Coltrane have both developed their game a little bit more this year in our play, and I think more of what we're looking to see within this offense. Um, and I, I want to make sure that we value uh, the distinction. No, I think he, I think he's definitely improved this season for sure. I mean, his shooting numbers are down, but you can see him doing other things too. And it's hard going from, you know, a guy who's just, a, he's just, he was just a role player last year. He came in, he's, you know, just shooting threes when he's open in the minutes that he has and, you know, hustling down rebounds or whatever. But this year he's expected a higher volume and you're taking on, you know, more responsibility in the offense. And he's just been a little up and down. Um, I think if he can get his three back more consistently, he'll be able to contribute more consistently. But, uh, yeah, he's just been struggling. But he, he was really good in some games. So, uh, you know, we hope that he can find that and harness it for, you know, a, a longer stretch of games in a row. All right. I had one other uh, kind of question to pose before we move on, if you don't mind. Yeah. Uh, so – uh, Justin Moore hasn't played the last two games, uh, so it, it's it's been uh, the Jamie Bergen show at the point for the most part. Do you guys think the offense runs more smoothly with one versus the other? Um, understanding that, you know, when they're both playing, there's times when they're both on the court together. Uh, but, you know, two games worth of Jamie is the primary point guard now. Have you seen anything? Do you think – it's more efficient, less efficient, uh, more mistakes, fewer mistakes. Abstain. <laughs> I mean, Jamie had a really rough game against Seton Hall, especially early on. So, I mean, I think we were missing Justin Moore in that scenario. Um, I mean, I, I, I might be a little biased too, because I watched a lot of, you know, their games in high school too. And I like Justin Moore better as a point guard. Um, I, I mean, I like Bergens too. Bergens, he's been fine. He, he runs the offense well. Um, but I don't know. Justin Moore is just a little bit more, I don't know, cre- creative with the ball. He can get to the hoop a little bit better. Uh, Jamie kind of relies on like a like that Xavier Bell type post-up game, which doesn't work against, you know, Seton Hall. It, it was really struggling uh, to get there, whereas Justin Moore can get to the hoop a little bit. He hasn't created as much as I'd like to see. I mean, honestly, I think he's a better passer than he's shown. I don't know why that is yet, but hopefully we'll see that more as he goes along. Do you think if if Justin had played against Seton Hall, his stat line would have looked similar to the Temple game where he took a ton of shots? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, everyone else was struggling. So, you know, he can at least go get his shot uh, on occasion. I mean, he might not. He's not that consistent with it yet. I mean, his three-point shot's been terrible this year. But his mid-range isn't that bad. Um, he could have at least got us a couple buckets outside of, you know, training Amari, I think. Um, and he's quick, he's quick and he's athletic. So, uh, I mean, I think he would have maybe done a little bit better, but I mean, who knows? Um, but I, I thought it did hurt us that he wasn't out there early. Yeah, I agree. I tend to think that versions for me is the more complete package right now. Um, uh, overall, right. Like off defensively, 
you know, just physically, whatever else, I think just he, he's, he's a little further along. But um, you've also got to look at it as a program, right? And, and you know, Moore's our guy for the next four years by all, you know, that's the plan. So I don't mind investing in him, in him right now, Anthony. Um, and hoping that pays off late in the season. I, I'd like to see us not, you know, pile on minutes this year. You know, if we can keep him fresh for the for for March, would be really nice. You know, sometimes the freshmen tend to hit a wall there late in the season, and I think we have enough depth here to to not force that on us. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I like him getting minutes. Put it that way. I, I would agree, Dan. Though I think I think Bergens is, you know, he can shoot better for sure. He's a little bit more polished offensively. Um, he's, he's good defensively. There's no, there's no problem with Bergens being in there. I mean, he's, he's, I think he's a great, a great backup for us to Justin Moore. And then I love that you can play him off the ball too. I mean, he's, he's a versatile guy for us. I think he's an important piece. Um, yeah. I mean, like I said, he had a rough game against Seton Hall, but he's been, he's been pretty good in most of the other games. I mean, he doesn't put up huge numbers, but he's like six, he gets nine. You know, he's, he's, he's contributing every game and he's playing well defensively. So he's a definitely a good player to have. And now that we've seen that Yame can run point too, like if, yeah, Justin Moore's struggling too, you could sit him down a little bit, play Bergens, bring in Yame. I think you've got some good options there. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think I agree with Dan too, uh, from the, uh, the program long-term team building standpoint, I think starting more is probably the right call. Um, yeah, no, agree with everything you guys said. It's tricky. It's tricky, right? Because relying on somebody to be here four years in this environment. True. Yeah, definitely. Uh, <laughs> definitely crossing your fingers uh, in the NIL era. Yeah. Um, but I'll, I'll say um, I don't think this is also a rebuilding year. That's the other thing. I mean, this is a team that actually can contend in the current CAA. We'll go around the CAA at the end of the broadcast. Like, so um, we'll talk about that a little bit, but. I um yeah, it's a tough it's an interesting challenge I think the staff has there and, and how to work it, but I get what they've done so far, put it that way. And that will take us to the good, the bad, and the ugly. Insert Leon's music somewhere here, which we'll do in post. Uh Bill, what do you have for us this week? I mean the good has to be Luke House, right? I mean, this dude's out here launching threes, uh dunking on people. He's driving to the hoop. He's cutting to the hoop. He's scoring every which way. Uh, I never thought I'd see that from Luke House. It was amazing. Uh, I got to put him as my good. There's probably some other good in there too, but he's been – he was amazing in that last game. And I, I love that he was in the starting lineup. Someone needed to take that spot uh, for Mokro, so I didn't know quite who it would be. I was hoping Blakeney would probably come back and uh, hopefully be good enough to take that spot. But if, if Luke House can contribute – I mean, he's not going to get 25 points, obviously, but – even if you can give us like eight to 10 out of that spot, I'd be perfectly fine. Perfectly fine with that. So, I mean, he, he was great and hopefully he'll uh, continue with that. I mean, ugly the beginning of that Seton Hall game. I mean, maybe even into the way into the second half, ugly. I mean, I, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that, honestly. I mean, I've seen us as a, as a team play not, not well, but for an entire squadron of the team to just not be able to hit anything. I mean, nothing was falling. Um, it was really ugly. Um, In fairness, you've probably watched about a thousand college basketball games over the last 20 years. So <laughs> I've watched a ton of basketball. Go on. 
I can't remember a single other one where there's two guys who scored and that's it. Like, that's just unbelievable to me. Um, the whole team's been bad, but at least one guy would have like two points or something. Like, you, I mean, it was just absolutely bizarre to, to be watching that uh, in person, honestly. And explaining, like, I had someone with me who'd never seen a Drexel game before and like, being like, you know, hey, we're not, <laughs> we're not usually this bad. I mean, this is, this is something else going on here. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll put that as my ugly. That's all I got. We can move on to you two. All right, Anthony, what do you have? Um, well, I mean, for ugly, it's going to be hard to top Bills with uh, the first, you know, three quarters of the Seton Hall game. Um, you know, House is probably the choice for good, too. But in the interest of changing it up, I'll, I'll go, you know, the unexpected emergence of Yame Butler over the last two games. Um, you know, Delaware State was obviously a game we were kind of rolling through, but I, I need to say it, it was in the midst of what looked like utter just misery in that Seton Hall game, him coming in and hitting a shot and then hitting another one and then hitting a third one was actually a light in that cesspool of awfulness for a little bit. So I'll give him the good. Um you know, he had a great pass to Kobe in that game too. Like that resulted in, I think, an open layup, but it just looked really good out there. Bad. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's tough. Uh, can I can I say the Seton Hall game is bad and ugly? Yes, yes, you could definitely say that. It fits that criteria for sure. It's it's bad and ugly. Yes, so I'll I'll go with that. Yeah, I'll join you. Play the kids. Play the kids was my good. I love love seeing guys seize the opportunity, right? No matter who they were. I think actually conferences both uh, Luke House and Yame and Kobe and and, and I think everybody's they've looked the part. They, they they look like they belong at the very least. Again, two games that are really hard to judge from because they were both thrown in, you know, thirty point games. But um I like the fact that we may have legitimate depth we just haven't seen yet. And and we have some chances and, and Billy just brought up Shane Blakely too. I mean, another guy that should be coming back that you know we threw a little video out on, so we could have a little bit of a different dynamic as we enter conference play, which uh, I'll say I think can only help. Um, my ugly, um, I'm going to go a very different direction than you guys. I think it's much uglier than the Seton Hall game, um, but I did not hear anybody saying that the Dak Pack was chanting "the house, the house, the house is on fire today," and I would have would have liked to hear that. Um, I want to see. A little bit more energy out of the deck pack here. When you have Luke House putting 25 on the board, there shouldn't be a roof left on the deck. But Jumbotron should, should be on the court because the roof is no longer there. And, uh, you know, I want to hear some, some good chants. Luke House, with that name, just such an opportunity. I don't want to see it go to waste here in his Drexel career. I will say that the deck pack would need to be present in order to do that. I will give them the slight benefit of the doubt that it is break at the moment. Um, they finished, I guess a week ago yesterday. So I'll give them slight benefit of the doubt, but. Um, and that folks is why we usually don't have lawyers on the podcast. All right. Let me, let me, let me live my fabled life. Yeah. I'm, I'll refrain from going any further on the deck. No, it's fair. It's, it's, it was a, it was a fun shot by me, but not a fair shot. All right, we'll take it. We'll swing it over to the ladies. Um, had a week. 
Well, uh, we, we know where this week falls on the good, the bad, and the ugly, and it's not necessarily in the good. Um, but um, well, I guess we, we've covered St. Joe's, so we can talk about Yale, um, which went to OT, and then Dartmouth, which was a bit more of a walk. But the, the leading story there, story there obviously, is, is uh, injury, right? Um, so, Anthony, why don't you start guiding us through those two games? Sure. Um, wasn't able to catch either of them uh, in terms of watching, unfortunately. Uh, early afternoon starts uh, make that tough. But um, Anthony told me that, by the way, everybody, and I put him on the spot. That's not just me getting revenge at him. No, no, no. Totally fine. Uh, early afternoon spots during the week, I should say, during you know during the workday. Um, yep. As to the injury comment, Dan, yes, Kylie Lavelle, uh, our freshman forward, she's a four, I believe, uh, still out with a lower body injury. Uh, she's in a walking boot, looks like her foot foot slash ankle. Um, I saw her today. She's still in it. Um, I, best thing I could say is I hope she's back for the conference season. Uh, you know, we're recording the day before they host Penn state in probably the marquee opponent of the out of conference schedule. I hope we keep the game competitive without her tomorrow, if I'm being honest, but um, her absence has exposed the need for some secondary tertiary options uh, to put the ball in the basket. Uh, if, if the goal of our team this year is to have Kashana Washington finish in the top three scoring averages in the nation, then I think we're going to be in good shape. Um, and that's not necessarily a good thing uh, because we have been far too reliant on her uh in Kylie's absence. Uh, and it's just, it's not sustainable. Um, she had 33 points on 35 shots against Yale. Uh, that's a game that went to overtime. We lost by two points and Kishana with, I believe that 20 seconds left in the fourth quarter, went to the line for two and went one of two. So one more make and that game doesn't go to overtime and we win. Uh, hard to blame the player there when she's taking 35 shots and playing 44 minutes out of 45. Um, she's just not getting a lot of help, unfortunately. Dartmouth was a little bit of a easier game, a 15-point win. She scored another 32 on 25 shots, playing all but five minutes. Um, she is incredible. I can't, I can't take it away from her. I mean, she... Again, I didn't watch those two games. If I were an opposing coach, I would double her every single possession and make someone else beat you. Um, I'm not sure if that's what they're doing, and she's just so good and confident that it doesn't matter, and she's just making the shots anyway. Um, but she had a chance to go somewhere else for this year, and she stayed, and I shudder to think where we would be at the moment had she left, um, which, you know, it's uh, – <laughs> Yeah. Get well soon, Kylie LaFell. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I was just looking, you know, thinking about this and, and longer term. If you look at the, the schedule for this year, the wins that the women's program has had, uh, Ryder, really bad team this year. Eastern Shore, really bad team this year. Lehigh's maybe okay. Buffalo, to be honest with you, really bad team this year. They lost to a D2 right before us. Longwood, really bad team this year. Dartmouth, you know, kind of a perennial Ivy League bottom dweller. Um, 
there's no good wins. You know, I mean, the, the no, it's, it is who you play, but you go to St. Joe's, you get blown out. Um, you know, you lose a, a decent LaSalle team, but they're, they're kind of, you know, it was a close game. It was at LaSalle, but certainly a game you kind of expected to win going in. Um, and then, you know, uh, Yale, obviously that one, you, you were short bodies. Um, and you took them to OT. So, like, I'm not, I'm not hitting the panic button yet, especially, you know, provided we get back highly. But what's your level of concern at this point? I mean, I would say mild to moderate concern. Um, I think that Amy and her staff have earned a pretty solid benefit of the doubt. Um, I mean, that, you know, the program just wins. That's what they do. Um, And, you know, we also, I think, have been a little spoiled with this team. I think we do need to bear in mind that we have suffered some pretty significant losses uh, from last season. Uh, Just they started all grad students last year. Um, So, you know, losing your starting point guard, losing your starting five, losing your starting four, um, definitely some big personnel losses last year. So, uh, you know, there was definitely going to be some rebuilding. Um, You know, I worry about, potential burnout. It's something that I was worried about last year as the team was so good, but it seemed like they were running six, seven players for most of the games. And, you know, we were winning, so I couldn't complain about it. But at the same time, I I worried that as the season comes to the end, are we going to run out of gas at some point in a big spot? Um, You could arguably say we did losing to Delaware at home in the final the CA tournament last year. Um, but uh, that same concern, I think, is still on the table for this year. Uh, that overtime game against Yale, we played seven players and four of them played over 40 minutes. Um, you know, even in a, you know, the, the, even in the LaSalle game that was close throughout and went to overtime, we played what? 10 players, 11 players, 10 players. Uh, so, and, and really, really nine, but, but still, uh, so there, there are things that are mildly concerning. I, I do trust Amy to make things all right. Uh, so until un, basically my thought is until we are halfway through conference play and struggling in the conference, I'm not going to really be sounding the alarm. Um, but certainly losing to St. Joe's and, and, and particularly LaSalle, I, a team that I can't remember us losing to, if I'm being honest, um, you know, you'd like to see those, those games result in wins, uh, and just not throwing so much on Kashana's shoulders. I mean, Kashana's putting together probably the best individual performance of a single season in Drexel basketball history, maybe. I mean, she's... Uh, I mean, if not definitely from the women's side, it's probably for both maybe even. I mean, she's putting up close to 30 points a game or is she over 30 points a game now? Um, I mean, it's it's ridiculous. And every defense is focusing on her. I mean, I can't even imagine being the only real offensive threat on a team like this. Like even when we had Damian Lee, I mean, he's the guy was averaging over 20 points, right? But he had, you know, he had Chris Fouch. He had uh, Franz Masnat here. Like he had other guys that, took the pressure off him. In this case, Kishana's just 
somehow still putting up these numbers despite you know being the, the focus of every defense it's really amazing um and she's been enough to get us through at least part of the schedule without Kylie but i don't without Kylie that they're they're in some trouble i think i mean it, if she comes back and she's still giving you you know 18 a game i mean you're getting 50 points out of two players basically i mean that's enough to to get you through without with minimal contributions from the rest of the squad i mean you're just going to need like you know six points here from someone, five points here from somebody else. Like you don't need huge contributions, but without Kylie, they're going to, they're going to struggle. You're, you're right there. There's just too much on Kishana. She can't, she can't possibly carry that entire load herself. It's just, it's, it's too much, even as great as she is. I did pull up NCAA.com's scoring leaders. I just did the same. Man. Yep. All right. You go, you go ahead, Anthony. Give us, do the honors. It, it's, it's remarkable. Um, but as of, Today, last updated December 17th, 2022, Kashana Washington Drexel, 28.1 points per game, number one in the country. Um, ahead of Caitlin Clark of Iowa, preseason All American, and I believe last year an All American at Iowa. Maddie Segrist, preseason All American for Denise Dillon's Villanova team. Uh, Anissa Morrow of DePaul, preseason All American. Um, so I was going to say, uh, you know, Gabriella Marginian might have something to say about your statement, Bill, about Kashana's individual brilliance, but she's leading the nation in points per game. Um, and granted, she's played a couple fewer games than the other people I just mentioned. Um, so in total points, she's below them, but she's almost a half a point ahead of number two points per game. It's unbelievable i think gabby's best season was something like 23 something points a game which i mean isn't too shabby in itself um and she did it over she put up a lot of points in her career um overall i think she's the number one scorer right she's over 2000 for her career i'm not sure exactly how many but um and kishan is not going to get there but as far as an individual season goes this it's unbelievable what she's doing and she's really good i mean i'm just watching I'm, i'm amazed at what she's doing um, pulling up off the dribble. She's creating for teammates. I think she's averaging something like four-something assists a game, maybe. I don't have the stats in front of me. Uh, or Maybe that's wrong. But um, she's been playing just unbelievably. I've been enjoying watching the women's team uh, this year a lot, just seeing how good she is. And it's also easier for, especially in women's basketball, for a post player to put up points. Um, even though, you know, we're in the era of positionless basketball, uh, you know, on the men's side and, and to some extent on the women's side as well, but dominant posts in the women's game still tend to rack up points. Um, and especially somebody like Kishana, who unlike, you know, maybe Caitlin Clark, Kishana Washington is like five foot seven. She's not a big player by any means, five foot eight, maybe. Uh, so it's, uh, it's something else. Listed 5'7". The next person that height or shorter on the top 10 list is um, Ty Skinner from Arizona State, who's averaging 21 points a game. So she's at seven points below what Kishana's doing. Uh, it, it's, uh, yeah, it's 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 pretty crazy. This is uh, otherworldly performance that you're getting the Jackson right now. Really cool to see. Highly recommend it. Just, just to touch on the conference for a second, if I'm right, isn't Ty Skinner – didn't she follow Delaware's coach to Arizona State? If I if I'm right, I think she was in the CAA last year. 
That feels right to me, actually. That's a nice pull. Uh, I'll, I'll, somebody fact check it. But uh, yeah, that feels right to me. Yep. Uh, and that actually, that segues, dovetails very nicely uh, into um, where I was going with this, which is uh, the, the, the upside that Jackson does find himself in right now is not only uh, does it sound like Kylie is, is going to be coming back, uh, hopefully in short order, but um, the CAA right now is the weakest it's been in women's basketball, partially because JMU did leave. Uh, but in some time, and there's only two top 200 net programs right now, and that is Drexel and Delaware, both hanging out around 130. Um, so there's a big gap between those two and everybody else. However, when we flip that around, there's also nobody who's in the bottom who's below 300. So every the whole rest of the conference is that 200 to 300 level, um, which Drexel really hasn't played. They, they've beaten all of the 300 teams, and they've kind of uh, 300 plus teams are basically the whole schedule right now. So we don't really know where. They really belong. The net tells us they're better than everybody else, besides maybe Delaware. I'm curious just to see what happens. I'm curious to see, uh, obviously, when Kylie comes back and where they can get more out of. And then I think the other thing that we were talking about, kind of uh, on the side before we got on the call here, was just uh, Anthony. You talked about the depth and the, the number of players that we go. You know, I remember with Denise Dillon going ten deep, especially in out of conference games. And kind of as the year would go on, she would trim it down, um, and it felt like you know. To me, um, that represented the fact that, you know, she was figuring things out and out of conference and focused on the conference record, right? So we're going we're gonna to run different things. We're going to run different people from different places, see what works, see what doesn't work and out of conference. Use that kind of as a preseason, then buckle down a conference play. You know, we, Amy comes on here be, before the season begins, and Coach Mallon, and, and says, um, you know, she has higher aspirations. She has the aspiration here is for a deep playoff run, and that means seeding matters stuff like that. It's not just about making the tournament anymore. And so maybe these out-of-conference games are weighed higher. Maybe that's part of the reason why we run a shorter rotation. Maybe it's just coaching and stylistically she, she chooses that. Maybe it's personnel and she really feels like this is who could play. Um, but I, I think it's a, an interesting question um, if, it's a, if it's a change in coaching thing or if it's uh, any of those other number of factors that, that all of which would make sense for that way. I don't think anything's right or wrong, but I'm um, curious just to um, now that looks like it might be more about getting in for this for this year's edition, at least right now, if she would go back and change anything, um, be a, a fun one to, to talk about in you know late April when her season wraps up. Uh, that'll take us through there. Um, we're a little long, so I'll, I'll I've been waiting. I've, I've a bunch of outdated stuff here uh, from when I was trying to podcast with you guys two weeks ago on around the CAA. Um, and we'll try to do a CA preview before the league conference season starts off on the 29th of December. Drexel's faces Elon at the DAC. Um, that's their next deck home game. Um, but real quick, early analysis here. Uh, Charleston's got the flag. Charleston has the flag. It's theirs. Um, they've got it via, you know, both being 11 and one, which is a hell of an impressive thing. Um, you know, that's uh, that's no joke. Um, their one loss was, by the way, at UNC at, at Chapel Hill, and they hung. They they scored eighty six in that game. So, um, yeah, they've earned that right. They should be respected. They should be on. I mean, they should, to my money, be getting top twenty five votes. Uh, quite seriously, they do. Sixty four, ranked twenty seventh. Okay, there you go. So, thank you for that. Um, so that's why you want to bring a lawyer onto the podcast, so he can fact check you right off the bat. Um, yeah, um, it, I think a lot of people have been saying Charleston or Towson 
Uh, no, for me, it's, it's clearly Charleston. I think Towson, um, I think one of the injuries in the round of the conference that has gone on much less notice than, say, an Estrada injury at Hofstra is uh, Jason Gibson, who is a big, big player for them over the last few years. Um, you know, I think Camp Holden gets, gets a lot of the receipts down there and Justin Timberlake, but uh, Nicholas Timberlake, one of the Timberlake brothers. Um, <laughs> so Leon, help me out and edit there. Um, he, he's going to leave that in. Um, uh, you know, um, could do the numbers and all that, but but Jason is, is a big piece of that offense. He's been missing. I, I do think he's expected back around conference season here. So Towson gets a bump um, when the year begins, which is good. They've been sliding, but I think a lot of that is his absence. Wilmington's the wild card. Um, and so I'll, I'll bucket Wilmington and Towson kind of as that next level. Wilmington's eight and three. Um, yeah, they've they've got a couple of non-D1s in there, so we'll call it six and three. But they've got some decent wins. Vermont, North Texas. Um, and their losses, um, see if, again, we talked about this earlier in the podcast, but UNC, Oklahoma, UConn. That's that's the losses. Tough to argue. You know, I mean, it's it's they could be better than we think they are, put it that way. They've beaten everybody else on the schedule, and some of those were pretty decent teams. So, uh, to me, they're they're sneaky. I, I might slide them in front of Towson, but Gibson back, I, I think I put them level as, I think a top three and a very good top three for this conference. Like that's that's the best top three this conference has had in a long time. Charleston certainly looks like they're the best team this conference has had in quite some time. Um, and you know, and had, would have at l- legit at large questions if they only had like, a loss or two in season. Um. Hofstra I have on the outside there. Estrada being hurt really has cramped their style. I wasn't a huge believer because I never heard with Hofstra. Um, but they've uh, they've he got hurt in the George Mason game, which they lost in OT. He got he got hurt just prior to going to OT. I was actually watching that game. Um, thank you, A10 TV deal. What a plug. Um, but uh, um, they've got pieces, but he's he's obviously the one they need. He's been out for these last two. Uh, where they got beat up at Purdue and then went to UMass and kind of got it, got a hand to them there too. Um, I don't know what his injury situation is in the long term. Um, it didn't look horrendous. He played on it for a little bit in the Mason game, so I'd imagine he's back pretty soon. But without him, um, it's not good. So they get to South Florida on Monday the 19th here before uh, they take a non-D1. I'd imagine they sit him in both of those and he comes back for uh, – when they, when they begin their season at Delaware, but we'll see the extent of that injury. Um, that's a big one. So, again, give me Charleston. Give me that Wilmington Towson bucket, assuming Gibson's back. Then give me Hofstra kind of by itself. And then there's this Delaware, Drexel, Northeastern. These are friendly foes, aren't they? These, these, these are the guys we know. Um, the battle of the co-op and our, our rivalry school, and I think that's the bucket. And talk about Drexel for a second, because... They've beaten badly the bad teams they've played. Like they've, we've beaten down the three hundred plus, you know, teams that we should be beating. Drexel's handed them lunches. Uh, my thing on Drexel's for us, we haven't played a lot of close games. Like if you really look at it, we haven't played a lot of close games. It's good teams have kind of, it's not been great. Uh, and I worry about playing that top four in the CAA that we just talked about. Bad teams, it hasn't been, you know, bad teams we've taken care of business, so we're not that bad. Old, Old Dominion is the one that sticks out, but again, first game of the season, I throw that out. So if you do that, when you kind of look at us, and, and I still don't know who we are, I don't know who Northeastern is either. 
Um, Delaware just beat Princeton, which is actually a really good win. Princeton's, Princeton looks good. Um, so I, I'd probably give them a slight edge um, at five, and then, you know, Drexel Northeastern, and I think I'd give us a nod, but I don't know that a lot of people would. Um, for, for that last spot, for those last spot of kind of relevance. Uh, I will say, when we look at the bottom of the league, kind of, um, he, he see the crap on them, uh, given the records, and especially the non-D, you know, non-D1 records we talked about early in the season. But William Mary's gotten some wins. A&T's gotten some wins, and actually some decent ones there. Um, Stony Brook has shown a pulse of late. Um, they beat Sacred Heart, which is... Um, I'm sorry, Sacred Heart's no good, but you know they've they've won a game that way. That was their first non one. Study looks pretty bad. Let me let me let me revise. Study looks pretty bad. William and Mary though, uh, home win against Richmond, um, wins against Radford and Army. Um, they'll probably be one of the better ones at the bottom of the pack. And A and T um, won two of its last three. Uh, actually, they've played so many non ones, but they won two of their last three games uh, and against Greensboro and then a neutral site game against Texas Southern. That wrapped up, wrapped around a game against Houston. Houston ranked now number two in the country at Kent Palm. So let's throw that one out for a minute. So they, they're not being walked over at this point, at least. Uh, rumors of the bottom of this league being that bad. I think there's three teams that are really, really bad in this league. Um, it's not like the bottom five or six that people were talking about earlier. Um, so that's kind of how I'm bucketing it right now. Um, I don't know that there's a lot else. Um, to be played. Um, that's really going to change anything. Monmouth's got Yale. That's a winnable game for them. Um, Elon, Elon's the one that stands out as uh, a dumpster fire. They don't have a D1 win this season still. Um, and they haven't played anybody. Uh, they've, they've got a road game at NC State, but they, you know, they just lost at Presbyterian. They lost at home to North Dakota. Um, it's it's not good. Um, they have one more shot at Valpo um, tomorrow, and that's their their primer before they go to Indiana. Uh, they go uh, on on Tuesday. If you don't want to watch basketball, you can watch that game because it won't be basketball. Um, they're really bad. So that's that's my I, that's my unanimous. Give me give me Elon for dead last. Um, even uh, if you look at Hampton, has got a couple of wins against Howard and Leola now. So they've shown some signs of life, which is nice. Um, I know we won't spend a lot of time talking about the bottom of the league other than to tell you they've got some wins of late. Uh, after this whole early season when nobody was winning anything at the bottom, there has been some wins at the bottom of the CA, which is good to see. Um, and again, I expect a lot of these schools who transferred in to get better over the next couple of years. So I'll keep beating that drum. Um, the, the interesting things at the top. It's the strongest league we've had at the top in a long time. Um, and the real question is, can Drexel contend? And I do think we need to change. We need to change a little bit if we're going to. And I, I hopefully, you know, you look at Yami Butler, you look at some of these guys getting minutes, get get Shane Blakeney back and make things a little more interesting for those guys at the top. The one thing I'll say about, like, Charleston and Wilmington in particular, Dan, like, you look at those rosters, and it's not like they have, like, that superstar on the roster. Like, it's just, I feel like they're both, just extremely well coached, and that's why they're doing what they're doing. Uh, different styles, obviously, for both those teams, but I just feel like they're those guys are just coaching their asses off for those teams. Uh, I mean, there's not an Aaron Estrada on either one of those 
um, rosters that's, you know, carrying them with a bunch of other guys. Um, they just have a lot of guys contributing. Um, and it's impressive to see that they're doing as well as they are. Were those your top two incoming classes for this year that you had before the season? Like they hit the portal hard, both those schools, right? Um, yeah, Charleston just Charleston did, has been like rating D twos though. It's weird. Like they've been um, there's one school in particular. I think they got. Um, I don't have the roster up right this second. Let me pull it up. But like two of their players who are averaging double figures are from are from a D two school from the same D two school, I believe. Um, and, you know they have Rain Smith back. Um, but no, they weren't up there. Wilmington was actually. Wilmington was one of the higher ranked um, classes that I had. Uh, Charleston, I wasn't too low. I'd have to pull up, pull up what it was, but they weren't one of the highest. But it's just impressive. I, I mean, like I said, I don't think like they didn't pull out a, a superstar out of that portal either. I didn't think um, they had that Bolin who basically didn't play last year. He was a D two transfer. He played, I think, a few games and he came back for his fifth or sixth year. I think. Charleston, um, but it's just impressive. Yeah, I mean, you, I mean, take take a look at it. There's a bunch of guys who average like ten points, twelve points in that team. It's not like you have an Aaron Estrada, like I said, or you know, even another guy averaging, you know, Amari Williams type numbers at this point. There's just a lot of solid players um, being coached at a high level. Um, I think is my point. That's about going to wrap it for us. Uh, we'll look forward to next week. Uh, obviously, uh, tomorrow, probably before you hear this, so results pending. Uh, the, Penn, the ladies host Penn State at the DAC. That's an NBC Sports game. Uh, be a big one here at 2 o'clock at the DAC. And then you have Wednesday the 21st. That'll be the last game before uh, Christmas for the ladies. We'll be, they'll be hosting that same Delaware State team. The men um, just took on the same school. And then the men head up to a new gym alert. New, new building uh, up there in Fairfield for the Stags. And that's one of those games um, with 253 and Ken Palm on the road, a kind of similar profile uh, as far as ranking to LaSalle, where you, you want to go out there and win that one and prove that you're not, that you're better than that um, because we're still not sure what Drexel is. So I, I, I actually have this one as a kind of a bigger game. Uh, and those are the last three games for, for the two teams before we hit conference play. So excited to uh, to start playing for real, if you will, um, and and seeing the seeing what the opponents have. Hopefully, get the get a lot of healthy bodies. It's it's terrible in mid December to be talking about the need to get players back, but both teams have, have some key players that uh, be really great to to get them back, and, and hopefully we'll be back quickly. So I uh, look forward to seeing you guys there. Uh, we'll talk about a CA preview before then. Uh, there will be no taping next weekend. We probably won't be taping any previews. Uh, the specific games before that. So I wish everybody, all the listeners, a happy holidays, no matter what you celebrate. Uh, Anthony, Bill, it's been, it's been fun.